But so excited about being here today. My name is Brad. I'm, I'm one of the pastors here, and I get to do a lot of fun things. But I'm just going to warn you, I'm a little pumped up right now. So um, and it's all natural, okay? No caffeine included, all right? But just excited about what God does here. I'm excited about our church. I love our church. I love our students. I get to work with them a whole bunch and just see what God does in their life. And I love the words of that song and then seeing the depth that these kids have and as they write these words and these things. So a lot of good things that are happening, but I'm excited about being here with you today. Hopefully these next few minutes, um, who are we kidding, it'll be more than a few minutes, but the next time we have together, um, I just want to spend a little bit of time talking about a little bit of what's on my heart and some things that I've learned. But you know, we're, here we are, we're sitting in Memorial Day weekend, and it's a time where we remember those people who have fallen, and it's a time where we think, and we're thankful for them, thankful for the sacrifice in which they made, and we, maybe, some, maybe some of us, our weekend this weekend was at a graveside, we spent some time remembering lost loved ones and those things, and so it's a big deal, Memorial Day weekend's a big deal as we think about those different things, and it's a time where we get together as families, maybe you have a lot of family cookouts or different things, things that you like to do, you have family come in, or maybe, you, maybe you've gone somewhere and you're just not here right now, and you wouldn't know, or unless you're streaming it live, I guess, but um, Whatever it is, we have a bunch of stuff that's going on, but Memorial Day weekend. I have a lot of good memories about Memorial Day. Memorial Day was always a good weekend. It kind of kicked off our summer. We're, growing up, we did a lot of boating, and we stayed in these like, camping trailers all summer long. And we always had a great time growing up. It was me and, my, me and my sister and my mom and my dad. And just the four of us, we'd go do all kinds of fun stuff. So Memorial Day weekend was always kind of a way, like school's kind of ending, and here we go. Let's go have fun. And just go see what it is that we could get into. Well, I remember one Memorial Day, I was like 16 years old, uh, about 1989. It's been a long time already. But I remember it was an exciting summer for me. I was going to be working as a lifeguard that summer, thinking all the girls would like me for sure. Thinking <laughs> just being a lifeguard doesn't mean anything anymore. But back then, I was excited about it. This is going to be a good summer. But what's typical of, um, you know, I grew up in Pennsylvania, which the weather's a lot like here. Um, what's typical, though, uh, it's not always the nicest of weather on Memorial Day weekends. Now, we've been spoiled recently. You know, um, we, this, uh, the weather we've been having has been great. But I remember this one weekend, it was like 50 degrees. Like, I was 16 years old, it was 50 degrees. The weather was so cold, but we're going anyway. But we decided we don't really want to water ski, don't want to do those things, so we've got to figure out some other things to do. I remember I had a ski jacket on. Remember this Columbia Bugaboo jacket, some of us old people? It was like turquoise or teal, whatever the color. I don't know the difference. But it was like, you know, was, now that's maybe more popular getting those colors again. But, you know, I remember it was all zipped up and it's just like, this is great. We're camping in this aluminum thing here and just spending life, you know, in 50 degrees and rainy. It was awesome. And so it wasn't the nicest of weather. It wasn't the nicest of weekends, but it was going to be a great time. So uh, my, my parents were there, and then we had some other friends that were camping with us, and we were going to have a great time. So we decided a couple of the other guys are manly men. They wanted to be outdoorsy. They said, tomorrow we're going to do the most manly thing of all. We're going to go canoeing. Okay. So I'm like, well, that sounds fun. But we're going to go down a river. It's going to be awesome. I'm like, okay. You know, canoeing, that's, that's great. I love being outside. I'll do whatever. Plus, it's like, what am I going to do? Sit around with my sister and just talk and hang out? Like, I'll go canoeing. It sounds good. So the early next morning, about 5 o'clock, we wake up. We take this canoe upriver about, you know, what, 15 miles or so, and we're going to canoe the whole way back down. Now, this is, you know, 89. I didn't have a cell phone or anything like that. Didn't have any way. So once you got in, you're in it until you finished, right? So we get in, we get this canoe. When we get up there and we get ready to put in, and we realize it's like, we don't have any life jackets. Ah, we'll be fine. It's canoeing. Who needs a life jacket for canoeing? What's the worst thing that could happen on a canoe? And plus, it's like a river in Pennsylvania. This isn't like we're in, like, in Colorado somewhere. I mean, this isn't going to be like on the picture of Outside Magazine, us cruising down this river. It's kind of a, 
a tame, lame, boring river. But it's fun for fishing. So we'll take, we'll take our fishing stuff. We'll have a good time. So we get in this canoe and we go anyway. So I'm the youngest. So these two guys were my dad's friends. And they were great guys. They were, you know, I really looked up to them. But there's me, the youngest. So I've got to ride the middle of a canoe. So if you've ever rode a canoe sitting in the middle, it's not real fun. You kind of sit on the bottom. It's like, this is great. Kind of hunched over. It's not exactly the most glamorous of positions. So, so we're, um, we're going to ride down this river. So we're going down the river. Well, here what we didn't realize is because it rained so much that the river was up quite a bit. And this normally tame river actually had some white water on it. And so, wow, that's going to be fun. We're in a canoe. This is going to be great. So we're going down the river. We're just having a good time laughing, telling stories. And, you know, the guy in the back of the canoe, he's supposed to steer it, Right. So he kind of controls where you go, and he kind of is our navigator, even though he's sitting in the back, and that's what he's supposed to do. And we're trusting him. It's his canoe. It had cobwebs and stuff on it because he'd never used it, I don't think, but we're trusting this guy. So we get up, and the river looks like it's starting to pick up pace. And this normally thing where normally, like a lot of these um, riffles, you would drag your boat on the bottom, you know, kind of have to push it and you know, scoot along. But, but this one here, it's moving. And we're, and we're like, I'm like, oh, this looks a little hairy here. I'm a little scared. I don't have my life jacket, you know. I mean, I'm a strong swimmer, but you always got to be safe around water. You know, I was a lifeguard. They put that in your brain. So I'm like, oh, man, I'm a little bit nervous. So we start coming up, and you start seeing these, like, white caps, okay. And let me tell you, they looked big back then. It might not even have been that bad, but it was. It was, it was terrifying. So I start looking, and so I'm like, um, which, well, which, which way are we going up here? Well, the guy in the back is looking down at his fishing line and putting on a hook on his line. He's like, We'll just go where the river takes us. And that's about the pace he talks, too. You know, back there, just kind of rubbing his belly a little bit, tying a fish line. We'll just go where the river takes us. I'm like, okay, I guess you know what you're doing. I mean, I love water. I love being outside. Not, not real experienced with this, but here we go. So we start going. Well, in the middle of this rapid, there's a rock that's probably as big as this stage. It's, it's huge. And it's tall. You know I mean? It's like right in the middle. I'm like, and I see water going on each side of it. Yeah, we'll just go where the river takes us. And so we're going down there, and he didn't steer or anything. He took us right into that rock, and poof, it dumped us. And it's like 50 degrees. I have a ski jacket on. You know, I still had my tag on there from the last time I was on a, lift, on a ski lift, you know what I mean? Because that was cool, I thought. I mean, I'm, I'm like in the water, dumped, trying to swim with boots on and jeans and ski gear on. You know, it's because I was trying to keep warm because it was cold. And so I'm like, I just got to get out of it. So I looked at the side of the river. I thought, if I just swim towards the bank, eventually I'll get there. And I made it. We, we all made it out okay. I'm like, what are we going to do now? So we get out there and we pull each other out. All of our fishing gear, gone. Everything is gone. And there's the three of us standing with about 13 miles of river left. This is just great. What a fun day this is going to be. So we canoed for the next few hours, feeling miserable, cold. I mean, I don't know if you get hypothermia. I guess we didn't. We made it. But it's like, I'm feeling terrible. I don't know if we said six words the rest of the way. You know, it's like, this is going to be this awesome trip. And it just didn't kind of work out the way we wanted to. All because, and a lot of that probably could have been avoided if the guy in the back would have just looked up. If he'd have just looked up and steered, we'd been okay. Well, we'll just go where the river takes us. So many times in life we find ourselves in situations where we get ourselves in trouble. We just kind of let life go where it takes us. We kind of just rely on our, own, on our own abilities, our own thoughts, our own processing. We just rely on all that stuff, and we forget to look up. And so what we're going to look at today is how we look up in the midst of the difficult times in life. We're going to look at the book of Psalms, and one psalm in particular, Psalm 40. So you can open your Bible there, dig into that. So if you take your Bible, put your thumbs in the middle, 
and, and open it there. You'll land in Psalms. Whatever number you learn on, I'll let you land on. You can do the math and figure out where that is to get the 40, or you can just go to page 390 if it's in one of the Bibles in the chairs. So you can use our app. We can do all that, follow along there. But Psalm 40 was written by a guy named David. David was a guy who's famous in the Bible. Many of us have heard the story about David and Goliath. You know, David takes his slingshot and sling and kills Goliath, right? No one else would fight him, but this teenager stood up, or however young he was. He's like, I'll do it. And he hits Goliath in the head, and he runs up there, takes Goliath's sword, and chops his head off. You know, um, that's what the real story says. Anyway, so David was this legend, man. He was awesome, and people wanted to follow him. He was known for, you know, killing many, many people, leading this military thing. He was an incredible guy, incredible leader. He's a king of Israel, king of God's chosen people. Well, as he writes this, we're going to find out that things didn't always work out David's way. Some of it was his own doing. David did some horrible things. If you read through the Bible, you can see about some of the things and atrocities he committed towards people as well. But he still was a person who God loved and wanted to know God. And so he's talking about a situation in his life. In the first three verses of Psalm 40, he's remembering a time from the past where he was in a pit and how God rescued him. But then he's going to spend the rest of the psalm talking about the situation he's currently in. So just read with me for a second. Psalm 40, it says this in verse 1. He said, I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in him. David was talking about being in a pit. This pit, this miry thing he's talking about is this dark, deep well or cistern type thing, feeling overwhelmed by something. And the wording it's even used in there is talking about, just imagine like the tumultuous storm or heavy water, these waves just rolling around in a pit where you can't, you don't know which way is up, all you can hear is the water, you can't hear anything, you can't get your thoughts straight, and you're just overwhelmed. That's where David found himself. He said, I'm in this miry mud. This mud was the kind of mud that is, is so sticky you can't get out of it. And the more you squirm, try to handle it on your own, try to get yourself out of it, the more you sink down into it. He's stuck in a place where he doesn't see any hope. And then in verse, verses 1 through 3 there, then he talks about how God stooped down and pulled him out of there. But then it, the rest of it talks about the pit that he's in now. Listen to some of the ways his life is described now, how he describes himself. In verse 12, he says, um, for troubles without number surround me. My sins have overtaken me, and I cannot see. They, they are more than the hairs of my head. That's an easy ball joke, okay? Just let it block. And my heart fails within me. Verse 14. May all who seek to take my life be put to shame and confusion. May all who desire my ruin be turned back in disgrace. Verse 14. People delighted in his hurt. Look what it says in verse 15. May those who say to me, aha, aha. I don't know what that means, but they're you're making fun of him anyway in his hurt. Be pawed at their own shame. Verse 17, but as for me, I am poor and needy. May the Lord think of me. You are my help and my deliverer. He was in a mess. People were trying to take his life. He had sinned something fierce that, that he knows that his sins have overtaken him. People were mocking him in his need. People were just trying to ruin him. He was in a pit. And he doesn't know any way out but to look up. So today, what I want to look at is, when we look up, good things happen. When we look up, good things will happen. So we all face difficult times at some point. We all will face hard times coming up. And if you haven't faced any yet, buckle up. Because it will probably be coming sometime. 
You know, I remember for me growing up, I was always a kind of a, just a regular guy. Um, I had a sister, and my mom and my dad, they loved me. They taught me about Jesus all the time. They fought for me. They did whatever it took. They, whatever circumstance they could put me in where I could um, excel, they would do that. They loved me. They invested their lives into me, to me and my sister. I had a great parents. So growing up, things always kind of worked out for me. My, my, parents, were sta- my parents stayed together. We had a happy home. I heard about Jesus. My mom was always talking about behind my identity in him and learning important things. Um, I was just kind of a regular guy, though. I wasn't the, the fastest kid. Well, I was pretty slow, but uh, anyway. I wasn't the best basketball player, but I never embarrassed myself. I was okay. I was able to do that. I wasn't the best of students, but I, did, I still did okay. I just, my life just kind of always worked out. I mean, sure, I'd suffer little things here and there, but I thought, well, that's just part of life, and you, just, and you would just get on with it. I mean, believe it or not, girls broke up with me. I mean, this. All natural, Brad. They broke up with me. So I went through that heartache, but I'm like, oh, I'll be fine. I've watched so many romantic movies, I'm sure. You know, the things will work out in the end. I'll eventually find someone, you know. So I'm just in eighth grade. I'll be okay. You know, I, I, I suffered disappointments. I had dreams. Oh, I want to be an NBA basketball player. Yeah, but that didn't work out. I, you know, it's, they referred to me like a telephone book man. But I didn't think I could, if I jumped, I couldn't slide a telephone book underneath my feet when I jumped. I couldn't jump over one. Or my dad used to say, Brad, you're so fast, we could time you with a calendar. So I knew I wasn't going to be a basketball player for my life as much as I wanted to be. I, I mean, I we all experience hurt of some sort. I, mean, I lost grandparents and different things like that. But things always worked out until one day. I remember I was working in my office a few years ago. We, our offices were off-site. We were on Embassy Parkway at the time, I think. And I remember getting a phone call from my dad. And I heard something I'd never heard before. See, my mom was always healthy. Always healthy. She was like, Brad, you need to check out and get to the doctors. Always get your physical. Da, da, da. She was always like, exercise, all this kind of stuff. My mom was always healthy. Um, my dad calls me. He's like, yeah. He said, Brad, your mom wasn't feeling well. We came home from vacation. So we took her to the doctor. And they, they found some spots on her liver. I'm like, okay, um, well, boy, that's, that's scary. You hear the word cancer. That's really a scary word. But I'll just pray about it. Things will always work out. I mean, things will, things will work out. They always work out for me. This would be a great story about how God, you know, healed my mom, and she'll be able to tell all kinds of people. Well, from that day on, my mom was never healthy again. She, every day, she got bad news, it felt like. And so for two years, she carried this pain and this illness it changed who she was. It changed her, you know, changed physically who she was. And eventually it led to her passing away. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. How did this happen? God, I'm the guy things usually always work out for. I'm not asking to be rich. I'm not, but, you know, that's my mom. And here I find myself in a pit. Some of you know that pit. You go to look at your phone. I'm going to call my mom. And it's like, oh, there's no mom to call anymore. That heartache and that pain. For some of us, we know that pit. And what that felt like was, for me, it wasn't, I wasn't in physical mud, but I felt like I was stuck. Like, there's always something on me, on my mind. I felt like I was always carrying a load everywhere I went. I felt like it was always on my back. Everything I saw made me think about my mom or made me reflect back to those times and think about what I didn't have. All I wanted was life to be normal. Come on, God, it was always normal for me. Can't we just go back to how it was? You know, but I watched my mom, and I watched her. Some of us have been in that pit. Now, for some of us, we're not there. We're like, well, that's a sad story, Brad. I feel for you. 
you know, and, thank, and, I, and I always appreciate encouragement from people. But for some of us, our, our pit looks different. For some of us, we have these big dreams. You know, that's what I'm going to be with my life. And now the NBA dream was, never, was always a pipe dream for me. That wasn't a real dream, you know. It's like people always say, just, you can be anything you want to be. Just work if you work hard enough for it. Listen, I was never getting any faster. And I'm never getting any taller. Never, it just wasn't meant to be. It's okay. God has different things. But for some of us, so we have real dreams we're building our life towards. And we run after them. And it's like we feel like they're right there. And then all of a sudden, poof, it's gone. And we're hit with the reality. That's not who I'm going to be. For some of us, we're in pits of relationships. I mean, I joked around about, you know, being dumped as an eighth grader and stuff like that. But for some of us, I know that that pain's real. I like that girl. And you hear back from her, but I don't like you anymore. I mean, they would never say it. They sugarcoat it, right? God's leading me in a different direction. It's not God's plan for my life right now. I really want to focus on my studies and become the person God has called me to be. So I feel like if we're together, you know, I just can't be all that you want me to be. So... Come on, just be honest. I don't like you anymore. Go find, there's someone else out there better for you. Just go, go. Get on with it. You know, but no, it's like we don't say that. But I remember that feeling. It's like, but I want you to like me, and I couldn't make you like me. Some of us, it's that. Some of us, we've been, our pit right now is we're hurt by other people. Someone's really hurt us deeply, and we feel we're stuck, and we're not sure there's a way out. We just want life to go back to normal. Some of us parents, you're just graduating your kids this weekend or last weekend or sometime. It's that season. You're thinking to yourself, they're doing exactly what we raised them to do. I just wish they would still be home. I want my little kid back. Why, where did the time go? It goes by so fast. Maybe your child's just getting married this summer. And you're looking and saying, they're never coming home again. They'll never be the way it was. For some of us, that's the pit. Some of it's unmet expectations in life. Some of it's we wanted to do something and we didn't make it. Whatever it is, we're all going to face pits. And what I want to tell you about is, listen, only when we look up will we really find what we're looking for. Because we always try different ways to get through the pits. Well, if I just try hard, I'll get out of this pit. If I just try hard and focus, I'll be able to beat, you know, beat this or whatever. I'll be okay. I'll be great. Or sometimes it's just like, you know what? If I don't just think about the pit, maybe I won't really be in it. I remember as a kid being scared at night sometimes. There was a phase in my life where I was scared at night to go to bed. I was afraid of silence and all that stuff. So what I would do is I'd turn on the television and I'd fall asleep to TV. Not because of any other reason than I just wanted to be distracted. Sometimes we just try to get distracted. We'll turn to everything else. They'll make us not think about the pit. And I tried that when my mom was sick. I tried that. I was like, okay. I just need to get away from this for a little bit. And that's, that helps a little bit. But only when we look up will we really find what we're looking for. So I just want to talk a little bit about being in the pits and talk about where we are. Talk about the hope that we have. And talk about how do we really look up. So the first thing is looking up, not in. Think about who God is for a second. David says, I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. David is thinking about his God for a second. He describes him all through Psalm 40. He's beautiful. But as he looks at God, he's thinking, God, you are my creator. You're the orchestrator of my life. You know when I sit. You know when I rise up. You know the thoughts that are always on my mind. You know me, God. You love me. God, you are an incredible God. So he's thinking about God. He says, God, I wait patiently for you. He says, and then God turned to him. 
and heard his cry. God stooped down into David's situation where David was in the junk. And some of it could have been because of his own doing. He stooped down and he says, and you picked me up out of that junk. And you set my feet on the rock. When we look up, we turn our attention to the only person who can really help us. To the person that can really be there for us. To the one that gives us what it is that we're looking for. So we need to look up, not in. It's not about you being the smartest person in the room. Because you are self-centered, just like me. And let me tell you, I am self-centered. I will orchestrate whatever it takes for me to feel better. And that, no matter if it hurts other people or not. This is what happened sometimes when I was dealing with this with my mom. What I would do, instead of turning my attention to God, it's just trusting and waiting on God, the creator, the one who knows all things. I'd be angry with my wife. I wasn't really angry with her. I was just taking it out on her because I was sad about my mom. I'd take it out on my kids. I was like, I didn't even do anything. It's like, but I'm just mad. I'm grumpy. And I realized it's just because I miss my mom. And going through that pain. But I need to look up to God when I look up to God. So God, he looks at all of us and realizes that all of us are in a pit. And it's this pit of sin, right? The Bible says because of our selfishness, because of our wickedness, we are headed on a path to destruction. And so God saw us in that way. And that's what the story, that's what the it is we talk about all the time. The know it, live it, give it away. It, the story of Jesus, where God looks at us and sees us in our pit. And he stooped down, stepped into our world through his son Jesus. He met us where we are. And he scoops us out of there. The Bible says if we believe in Jesus, then we will not die. We will not perish. Spiritually, we will never perish. But we will have eternal life. We'll have what we're looking for. God, well, the reason why I would look up and not in is because God showed me already through his son Jesus that he cares about me and my situation. That he loves me. He said, here's how you know what love is. That I stepped into your world. Gave my only son so that you can live. So if you're in the pits right now, if you're struggling, look up. There's a God up there who loves you. He knows you. He made you from the beginning. He crafted you. He said, I want to make you in my image. He marvelously and wonderfully made you. And then it says in Ephesians chapter 2, 2.10 2, that he's um, preparing you in advance for the works which he's created for you to do. He's prepared in advance a purpose for you. This God, you're one of seven billion people on this planet. Yet God knows you. He loves you. He sent us on Jesus for you. Look up. Don't try to solve it on your own. And if you want help from other people, find other people who are going to point you to look up. Other people have great advice. You can learn from their experiences. But it starts by looking up, not looking in. Hang around people who are going to point you towards that. God will step in. He stepped in for David. He rescued David. He pulled him out and sat him on the rock. And now David's back in the pit again. And God's going to save him and God's going to deliver. Only when we look up will we find what we're really looking for. The next thing is patiently wait. I hate waiting. I mean, waiting's tough. I mean, do you know how important I am? I mean, I'm a big deal. I think, tell myself all the time, I love me. <laughs> I do. I go, to, I go to like a store, and I just have a couple items to check out. And there's like all of this technology out there that could make my life quicker. There's only like two people working. Like all of these lines, they could be here to make my life faster so I wouldn't have to wait. So I wait for three minutes in line because I got to get hurry up, get through that line 
so I can go wait somewhere else. I hate waiting. Oh, it's so nice. These roads in Ohio are so bumpy, so nasty. Someone needs to fix those. But then when people fix them, I have to sit and wait for them to fix them. It's like five minutes of my life sitting in a car when I've got important things to do. Like go to the next thing. I hate waiting. Waiting is miserable. But waiting on the Lord is different, right? It's waiting on the Lord. So what David says, I waited patiently. I waited. I wait to wait for the Lord. He knew that the Lord will come in his time and it's trusting him. So there's some different ways in which we patiently wait. Patiently waiting looks like this. Trusting God, not yourself. You don't know what's best for you. Listen to what verse 4 says. We all want to be happy, don't we? Listen to what verse 4 says. Blessed are those who make the Lord their trust, who do not look to the proud, to those who turn aside to false gods. It says blessed are those. The word blessed, what, that, what the psalmist means when he writes that, when you see the word blessed in the Old Testament, or in Psalms specifically, it means, oh, how completely happy. Oh, how completely happy are those who make the Lord their trust. You want to find what you've been made for? You want to find why it is that you're in the pits or what it is, what purpose could you learn from the pit or how to endure the pit? Trust in the Lord because he's the only one who knows. How completely happy are those who make the Lord their trust. So trusting God looks like this. It's remembering what he's done. So a lot of times when we think about waiting on the Lord, we think that just means sitting back in our lazy boy, if anybody still uses them. But anyway, sitting back in that and just relaxing and thinking, God, I'll move when you tell me to move. No, it doesn't mean being lazy. Well, I can't do that right now because I'm waiting for the Lord to show me what specifically he wants me to do. Sorry, I can't help you, neighbor. I'm waiting on the Lord to direct me on how to love, for, love him more. I'm waiting for God to direct me out of his pit. Sorry, I can't serve you right now, honey, but I'm waiting. No, that doesn't mean that. Trusting God, what that looks like is it means remembering what he's done for you, but then it's obeying him and finding out his will. Look, look what it says later on. He says in verse 6 through 8, he says, Sacrifice and offering you do not desire, but my ears you have opened. Burnt offerings and sin offerings you did not require. Then I said, Here I am. I have come. It is written about me in the scroll. I desire to do your will, my God. Your law is within my heart. The psalmist is like, even though I'm in the pit, even though I'm miserable, I want to do your will. Well, waiting patiently means it's still doing what God calls us to do. If you're like, well, I don't know what God's will is for my life. If you're a follower of Jesus, God's will is for you. Love him with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. And then love your neighbor. If you start there, you're not going to wind up in the wrong place. So while you're in the pit, keep remembering all that it is that God has done for you before and cling to him and find him. Trust in God, not yourself. So as I watched my mom battle through cancer, you know, she's in the hospital a whole bunch. She's had me a lot of drives to Pittsburgh and back a lot. But I would watch my mom in there. My mom's faith was unbelievable. She had dark days, too. She had some, she's human, right? She sinned, just like me, you know. Um, she's human. But she had dark days, too. But most of the time when I'd sit there and I'd talk to my mom, she would praise the Lord. Even in a hospital bed. She'd tell me about the goodness of God. She'd want me to sing with her some songs, a reminder of how great her God was. Nurses would come in. Um, what can we help you with or whatever? She's like, well, how can I pray for you? 
She trusted in the Lord. And she knew that as her day approached where she wasn't getting out of it, she said, I'm okay, Brad. She goes, sure, I'll be sad. I won't get to see, you know, what happens with you. I'm like, you know, hopefully it's good, Mom. I'll try, you know. And she won't see her grandkids grow up. See them get married. So all the stuff that we enjoy watching, right? We enjoy people. We love our lives. She won't get, she's like, I know I won't get to see all those things. She goes, but my faith is in the Lord. And I'll be okay. I'll be okay. Don't, I'm, I'm sad, but I'll be okay. And I watched her faith how she was in those times. That doesn't come by accident. But even in a dark time, she obeyed her Lord. And then she told everybody about how great God was. She would tell everybody. I mean, sometimes it got a little bit embarrassing. You know, you'd be sitting there with your mom, and she's like, listen, Brad, no one's going to get mad at me because I have cancer. So she just would tell people like it was. If she saw some things, and, I mean, like, whoa, mom, that's a little bit... A little bit much right there, Mom. But she's like, Brad, I guess I want people to know who Jesus is. I'm sorry if I go overboard sometimes. But she t- couldn't t- stop telling people about how great her God was. Could you imagine being on your, in, a, in an area in your life where you know you're not getting out of it? Her physical health would never get better. She had no reason to think it was going to because she kept getting bad report after bad report. But she still trusted the Lord. And told everybody about the goodness of God. That's what waiting patiently looks like. While I'm in the pit, I'm going to keep telling people about who God is and the goodness that he has for us. And I want to tell you guys, the next thing is rescue is coming. When we look up and not in, then we patiently wait. We trust in the God, not in ourselves. But rescue is coming. David experienced true rescue. Where God's like picked him up out of this situation and boom, sat him on the rock. Sometimes God does answer our prayers in an, in an amazing way. And he does healing and all that kind of stuff. God's a great God. He can do what he wants. But sometimes the rescue doesn't look like us getting delivered from that circumstance. Sometimes the rescue, what it looks like mostly, it looks like learning how to be peaceful and have contentment even in the hard times. And even experience joy in the midst of pain. He says, I set my feet, he said, he sat my feet upon the rock and gave me a firm place to stand. Verse 11, he says, as for you, O Lord, you don't restrain your mercy for me. I know you'll deliver. Sometimes, um, it looks like in our life, our, our pits sometimes feel like we're overwhelmed a lot of times. And so our, our natural spot is to be anxious or be stressed out. I love talking with teenagers. They tell me all the time how stressed out they are. Sometimes I'm arrogant. Sometimes I look at them and say, you think you're stressed. You don't know stress. I've got four kids. I got to, you know, and think to myself, Brad, you're such a, such a jerk. Enjoy the kids where they are. You know, but sometimes we get stressed out and we get anxious while we're in the pit waiting for the Lord. And the Bible says, don't be anxious about anything in Philippians 4. But instead, make your request known to God with thanksgiving. Being thankful, telling God what you're thankful for. Telling God what you want, what you need. Does it say, what's it say Next. The peace of God will rule your hearts, will guard your heart. You'll, come, you'll find peace. Even though things are going crazy around you, he will, he will rescue you and give you peace. And what rescue could look like is just peace and contentment and learning how to be happy even in the midst of dark days. I saw that in my mom. And so then watching her joy, it started changing the way I approached 
grief and approach pain. The next thing that needs you find security. He said, you sat my feet on the rock, and now my feet are firm. I can stand strong. Security, knowing that no matter what happens to me, I'm okay. See, guys, if we, if we don't look up, but we look inside of ourselves, the only security we have is what we understand or what we think we can do or ways which we think we can make it work. So it's a lot of times for security, it's like, well, if I just make more money, I'll be okay. Everything will be taken care of. If I just have more friends around me, people I can fall back on, I'll be good. If I just have the right family structure set up, I'll always find security there. I'll be okay. If I just get the perfect job and work as hard as I can, or if I just pursue this field, I'll always be safe and I'll always be secure. When we look, when we look in and not up, we start believing those things. And we run after those things. And just like that, poof. They can be gone. And then we're shipwrecked. Well, I'll just try harder on something else. But when we look up and not in, we find true security. Because we look up to a God who loves us and demonstrates love for us that while we were at worst, sent us on Jesus to die for us. We see a God who made us and formed us how he wanted us to be. We see a God who knows what's best for us. We see a God who knows what, we're, what we're on earth we're here for. And we see a God who wants to bring us into his family and adopt us as his kids and then spend eternity with us. That's the kind of God we see when we look up. And so then when I'm in my pain, I might understand why I'm here. But I do know that God still knows me and that God still loves me. And then as I start reflecting on who he is, it starts changing how I view myself. Now instead of me worrying about you know, using my position or my life or my family to identify and show who I am, to determine who I am, I start saying God gives me security knowing I am who I am because of him. And I find my worth and identity in him and him alone. And he changes me. So then when tough times come, they hurt. They knock me down. But, but God holds me securely. So as my mom looks at so we're with my mom and as she's looking on her last days, the way that she could praise the Lord was she's secure in him. She trusted him completely. She knew that he was hers and that she was his. She knew that there was more to life than just what we see. And many people were impacted by her. Many people. Well, we find security. Reason Isaac, I don't have to be afraid. I'll be okay. Romans 8, 31 through 39, just talks about this real quick. And you can just listen, and you can read it on your own time if you want. Um, just listen here real quick and think about security. It says, what then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Think about your God for a minute. Why would, why would you ever look up? Well, when I look anywhere else, what do I find? But in him I can find hope. Verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? So trouble or hardship? or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword. Those sound like pretty 
Tough times. As is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels or demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. We find security in him when we look up and not in. When we patiently wait on the Lord. When we look up, good things happen. And only when we look up will we really find what we're looking for. Then in the midst of all of this, our life begins to change. The psalmist, after he was delivered, he says, you put a new song in my mouth. And he's out there singing like crazy. I like to sing when I'm in a good mood. You know what I mean? It's like, ooh, God is great. I'll sing all day long. People, I love the music loud here at church. So people don't have to hear me singing. It's great. I sing out and have a lot of fun. But when you start understanding about how God is good, you've become thankful and all that stuff. I'm not walking around, and, you know, it's almost like saying, I'm so thankful for what God has given me. I'm going to change my life. My life is going to change. So he has an attitude that is forever different. And then as his attitude is different, he starts bubbling out this Jesus from in his heart, in his life. Other people, it says, would fear and trust the Lord. It says, many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in him. You want to change the world? We all want to change the world. I want to be different. I want to make a difference. All young people, they all believe they can change the world. That's why I love working with them. But it starts with us changing, which all goes back to us looking up and what God can do. So it all starts looking up. So just some things as we, as we kind of wrap up here and land this big old airplane. Some next steps for our life. The first thing I want us to think about is identify where you are. Just be honest with God. Be honest. Say, God, here's where I am right now. David wasn't right, right like, dear Lord, um, you know, I'm not sure if I can tell you this, but right now things aren't the best for me. He's like, I'm poor and needy, God. People are trying to kill me. God, if I trust you, I know you'll deliver, but you do see what's happening here. People are mocking me. They're trying to put me in shame. I know my sins. I know I've done all this garbage, God. I need you. Identify where you are. Are you in the pit? Look up. Stop trying to do it on your own. Look up. Look up to Jesus. He's the only one who knows. Knows really who you are. And knows what you need. Some of us, we need to, maybe we're in in a pit, we don't realize it. But we're sure making everybody else think that we're in the pits. Some of us are so grumpy all the time. It's like, man, it's like, I don't hang around you. You're angry all the time. People are walking around, just like, oh boy, something's going on in that guy's life. He's hurting me. He's being mean. He's angry. Man, maybe you're in the pit and you just don't realize it. If that's who you are, feeling insecure all the time and just taking every, this anger ah, on people all the time, you need to look up. You got something to deal with. Because, man, the joy of the Lord is supposed to be in us. Why are you mad all the time? Look up. Maybe some of you are like, boy, Brad, that's a sad story. I feel bad for you. And that's and it's nice. Thank you. And you think, my life's pretty good right now. Tomorrow that grace race, I'm doing it backwards. And I'm going to beat everybody backwards. That's how good my life is right now. I mean, I'm going to do it without a shirt on. That's how good my life is. 
You know, that's how good my life is right now. Maybe things are going great for you right now. You're just thinking to yourself, I just want a burger. Let me out of here. Set me free, free at last, free at last. Maybe that's where you are. I don't know. The reason why my mom was able to handle the pits was because God changed my mom's life. But it was in the good times what she looked up to. Because let me tell you, when my family's peaceful at home, when everything's working out great, people patting me on the back, I start believing it. God, I got this. Go help someone who really needs help. My life's good right now. I'm good. I'm good. I can handle this. I've got life figured out. Everything I do works out well. Thank you, God. I got this, but, but I don't look up in the good times. So I encourage you, if you're not in the pits right now, look up even more. Because God loves you. And it's not always going to be that way. And when you look up in the good times, it gives you the strength you need. And your faith builds and grows. And your character strengthens. And your hope is strong for when the hard times come. Second thing, obsess yourself with knowing Jesus. Obsess, become obsessed with knowing him. The reason why we tell you to read your Bible all the time, the reason why we have reading plans and all that stuff, isn't just so that you can find some good nuggets to put up on Instagram. It's not just so you can find some things like, that sounds good. I'll make it a business principle. No, it's looking at it. Because that's where Jesus speaks to us. You know, people talk about God speaking to them. I, he's never said an audible word to me in my life. But I know a lot about God and know who he is through his word. So you want to meet Jesus, you want to obsess yourself with him, meet him where he is and he's in his word. Spend time reading the Bible. If you need help with that, we'd love to help you any way that we can. All these tools that we have nowadays that's out there, there's ways to get you there. But we'd love to help you any way that we can. Obsess yourself with knowing Jesus. Get in his word. Re- put up reminders in your life. Remind yourself always how good God is. Write Bible verses on your, on your um, mirror, whatever it is that you do. You know, um, you know, listen to Christian music that will make you think about who Jesus is. Songs that talk about how great you hear a song. It's like, that song is talking about my God, and I love to, love to think about God that way. Listen to it on repeat. L- whatever you need to do that will help you obsess yourself with knowing Jesus. Make sure you're starting in his word. And then put up other reminders. You need people in your life. Join a life group. Lock arms with other people who are trying to obsess themselves with knowing Jesus and run together. Because there's going to be days where you're going to feel low. And your friend's like, listen, remember, we love Jesus, right? We're going to run after him. Or they're going to be there supporting you, praying for you the whole way through. So then we just need to start looking up. I'm going to close. The band's going to come up now. I'm going to pray for us. And then we're going to then we'll continue on with the rest of the service. But what I'd like us to do after I pray, there's going to be some verses up on the screen. The band's going to lead us through a little bit of time. We're going to spend some time looking up together. So I'd encourage you just to, just to be still as possible. But whatever way that it is that you seek, that you, that you think about the Lord, if you need to close your eyes, if you need to read the verses, if you just need to, you know, whatever it is, be respectful, of course, to the people around you. But think about who God is. Let's spend some time looking up to him right now. It's amazing what God would do to transform our hearts. Listen, we love you here at Grace Church, but God loves you completely. And he's waiting for you to look up. We pray. God, I just thank you for who, who it is um, that you are. Thank you, Lord, that we're just not left here with trying to figure out clever philosophies or good game plans to get through life. But Lord, that we are people who are in desperate need of grace. And you broke into our world 
and it showed us a grace that we never could imagine. That you, our God and our King, would care about us. Care about us so much, Lord, that you love us to send your son Jesus to die so that we could have an opportunity to have a relationship with you. Lord, you're the hero in all of this. It's not about us figuring stuff out. It's about you. And I pray, Lord, that you'll direct our hearts. I pray that your Holy Spirit will work in our lives right now. And help us, Lord, to see where we are. And that we become a people who are so obsessed with knowing you. That people won't have be able to not notice that you, Jesus, are changing our lives. Lord, you are a great God and worthy of any praise that we have. In your name we pray. Amen.